Welcome to the Leaders of B2B podcast, a weekly show where we bring you interviews and in-the-weeds expertise from today's B2B experts and thought leaders. You can see more about today's episode and guests by visiting our website at leadersofb2b.com. This episode is brought to you by Content Allies. At Content Allies, we turn you and your organization into industry thought leaders. We interview you and your leadership team and then turn those interviews into articles, white papers, videos, podcasts, and social content. Learn more and say hello at contentallies.com. All right, thank you for coming on the show today, Chantel. I appreciate you um, hopping on here. And for everyone in the audience who um, just doesn't know who you are or um, what you're doing today, can you kind of give us the quick background on yourself and the company you work with today? Sure. I, uh, I'm the senior marketing manager uh, over brand and customer acquisition for Herman, which is a, uh, we're migrating toward becoming a SaaS platform for um, cognitive diversity, diversity and inclusion, leadership development, that space. And I also do uh, marketing consulting on the side. Awesome. Very cool. And and so I'm very curious, I guess, maybe to understand a bit more on um, what you guys are doing with Herman, and I'm, I'm interested in understanding, I guess, the shift towards SaaS. This seems to be a recurring uh, trend on a lot of these shows of these companies that are some hybrid of tech and then kind of services and everything. But um, can you maybe give a kind of bit more review of like what it is that Herman does? Mm-hmm. Yeah, internally, we call ourselves a 40-year-old startup because the company actually started decades ago with um, Ned Herman. He was the founder, and now it's been passed down through the family. Basically, he created a model to help people better understand uh, thinking preferences, the ways that we all like to think, which then can lend itself to um, better understanding how we communicate, how we work, uh, and gaining insight into that information about other people as well. So looking at your colleagues and saying, how does this person think and how does that interact or or play with how I like to think and work and communicate? So it really helps uh, create more efficient teams, managers, leaders. Um, Yeah, it's a a great model for for improving in that area. Yeah, and so is this kind of a mixture of, I guess, kind of tools you're providing organizations as well as kind of I guess almost like training or consulting or workshops, or what does that actual kind of execution look like for the work that you guys are doing with clients? Right. It's everything that you said. Plus, we're also building out that digital platform that will then allow companies to have that insight right at their fingertips. We have a network of global certified practitioners um, who are also able to uh, conduct uh, assessments and debriefs and training and sessions using that platform as well. Okay, fascinating. And I guess I'm curious then, uh, maybe from the standpoint of the, like you said that you guys are a 40 year old startup, I guess, you know, when did you join the company and, and maybe what does that kind of evolution look like from what you've seen there? So I joined the company about a year and a half ago. Um, and when I first came in, I, I didn't really have a background in any of this. Um, my background's more so in general technology, SaaS. Um, so it has been interesting coming in more, I would say earlier in that transition stage. It's just an interesting, interesting journey, I'd say. Yeah. Nice. That's interesting. And and so I'm curious then, um, maybe like what does your role look like a you know senior senior marketing manager, uh, brand and acquisition? You know, what does that 
actually look like on a, a daily basis? Um, and, and what is your kind of typical roles or responsibilities look like there? Yeah, so it's kind of uh, across the, the spectrum of marketing, which is really why I've always enjoyed marketing. You you rarely have to do the same thing. I, I'm, I tend to work for smaller companies um, where I play more of a generalist role. Um, usually when a team is smaller, when you're working at in a startup environment or a small company environment, everyone wears a lot of different hats. You're not necessarily limited to one particular area. So I've gotten to focus on uh, paid acquisition, um, social media, uh, working on the website and helping with that, coming up with campaigns, um, a lot of content marketing because a lot of the growth is organic and community building um, in nature, Um, email marketing, digital marketing. So it really is a little bit of (laughs) everything. Yeah, I, I I always found that interesting because I, I I totally can relate from um, you know running small companies as well and my role being the marketer that you you kind of end up doing a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm curious, maybe um, how do you I guess maybe how is your performance measured or what are you kind of reporting on or how do you kind of um, within the organization like how are you tracked by specific KPIs for your marketing or how, how do you guys kind of handle that with like the variety of things that you're tackling. Yeah, I think it it depends on um, the campaign really for that particular campaign, but overall the OKRs for any particular quarter, it, we've experimented a lot. So, you know, at first it was MQLs, SQLs, and then as we realized, okay, maybe this isn't as indicative of uh, success as we'd like it to be, it's more so shifted to um, aligning with the complete revenue team. So now they're joint KPIs with between sales and marketing and product, where we're all kind of trying to work together to achieve common goals. So, you know, MAUs, uh, increasing awareness, uh, driving the pipeline, uh, revenue, of course, is the the ultimate goal for anyone in marketing and sales. Yeah, that's that's always the always what it ultimately comes down to. I think that's the hard part about so many marketing metrics is that Ultimately, at the end of the day, um, it's like sales and revenue is really the metric that marketing is measured by. And you're constantly trying to find these kind of, I guess, up uh, upstream levers, I guess, mm-hmm. um, or indicators of that. But I, I think that, like you said, it sometimes can be hard where it's, you know, you want to track MQLs, but then that can almost incentivize the wrong thing, or maybe those don't all convert properly or anything there. Have you guys seen challenges around that? Or Yeah, so I think that working for a variety of small companies where I end up reporting to either directly to the CEO or to um, one of the executives, um, you kind of have to learn the difference between what matters to you personally as a marketer who's got their hands in everything and then what will matter at the executive or the board or the investor level. For me, I keep an eye on a lot of different stats and data just because those help me gauge the health of the campaigns or the health of the data Uh, on more of a a micro level, um, I can watch and see, okay, where are the conversions happening and where are they not happening? Um, You know, what are the open rates on this versus this, doing A-B testing on a smaller level. So then I can make tweaks along the way more quickly uh, that will then lend themselves to more success on a bigger scale that I can then report back on. 
Um, so I really look at those as like health checks for me, just am I doing the right things? Am I going in the right direction more frequently than I would necessarily report back to the executives? Okay, that makes sense. Um, and it's just, I guess, interesting seeing in kind of the role that you're in now where you're, you're very much working with the leadership of, uh, of Herman, and it sounds like you've done this with past companies. Um, I'd be curious to dive more into the backstory of how did you kind of what did your kind of career path look like um, to getting up to this? And like, maybe what was that journey like? Yeah, so I started off in journalism. I thought I was going to be, you know, a reporter because I was really interested in storytelling. I love, there were just a lot of like stories that, that I would read in the paper that were profiles or about people. And so I think that I was really interested in that. And then the economy, different recessions, just shifts in the journalism industry itself uh, pushed me more toward the business side of things. So public relations, marketing. Um, and I started off at another small company, uh, Intelity, that focuses on hospitality technology, very much also in kind of a scrappy startup mode, um, focused a lot on organic growth and revving up. We were bootstrapping at that point. So um, I got to see the the different life cycle stages, I guess, of a, a smaller company as we grew um, until the point where we had a, uh, there was a merger with another company. So that was just an interesting journey to a different, different journey, different uh, side of the coin to, to get to witness. Then I went to another um, sort of a startup mode company um, that was in the healthcare technology space. And there were, there were a whole new set of challenges because healthcare is a completely different industry, a lot more complications because there are so many regulations and um, so many other things to consider when you're trying to connect with um, patients versus doctors versus hospital systems, et cetera. Healthcare in America is very complex, but that company ended up um, going under, which gave me the opportunity to experience that as well. When there's, you know, failure, there's always that risk in the back of your mind, but to actually experience it was pretty interesting. Um, and then I went to another early stage uh, startup company that um, it still is around and it does uh, like CRM sales, data technology, data management. And that one was in a very rapid growth state. So that was completely different from my previous experiences because just the, the, the acquisitions that we were going through almost on a monthly basis, all of the change that was occurring was very interesting. And now I'm here. So it's just been a series of, of changes and transitions. So I've learned to be really resilient and flexible. <laughs> Yeah, I imagine it. And that's got to be quite the journey. And uh, to, again, it's, it's an interesting thing, I think, where is like your, your professional path. It's um, part of like picking the right companies. And I think at times, you know, it's like you don't know, but it's like a company could be a great opportunity or like they could go under a year later. And that's, I think, a lot of people get into this belief that like there's just job security um, if you do a great job. But it's like the reality is it's like, companies exist in this ecosystem and have ups and downs as well. And so it's kind of like a, a choice in where you're going to place your, your bets and your energy for your career as well. Right. And I, I don't think that, you know, working at a company that ends up not being successful is any sort of um, 
there's no shame in that really. Mm-hmm. It's a good opportunity to learn. And um, I think in business, there's always a risk. So it's kind of fun. You have to be a certain type of person who's willing to take that risk and, and face those kinds of challenges. Yeah, exactly. And there's, there's no right or wrong. It's just like, it's just part of the journey. And, and you can't also predict, like no one can predict these things. I've met, I've got a, um, talked to a friend recently who she started a, uh, she literally quit her job the week before COVID exploded and like went to go like <laughs> out on her own. And it's just like, oh, wow. Like that was a really bad time for a transition. And uh, so you just never really know in these kind of things. Um, and uh, so it's just, it's all kind of part of that journey and everything. I'm also curious, you know, one of the things that I find really interesting, just I guess like marketing managers um, and kind of the role that you do is, I think with marketing, it is the kind of thing where it's endless. Like you could endlessly just work on marketing or new things to do or new tactics. And so how do you as a marketer kind of think and prioritize your time and activities, um, what you're going to focus on, what you push back, like how do you not get distracted from a million things? Like how, how do you kind of handle that? And I think I'm still <laughs> ask for advice from the audience here. <laughs> no, that's it's it is really tough just because there are so many different things that you can invest your your energy in. And there's really no right or wrong path. I think it just depends on ultimately what the goals of the company that you're you're working on are. Um, where are you trying to take the brand? How quickly are you trying to move? Uh, what's your uh level of resource availability, and then taking a lot of direction, learning how to take direction from a variety of different places. So executives, the executive level, the board, um, the rest of the company, what is the rest of the company working on and how can you best support that? Looking at the product roadmap um, and then listening to the customers, what's working, what's not, listening to the community. So I think all of those things give you input and can give you direction to help you create the best roadmap to follow for the the overall team. I'm definitely still working on that. I'm not sure I'm always (laughs) uh, hitting it on the nail. Sometimes I do tend to do the things that I like and enjoy the best or things that are like leading trends. And I'm like, Ooh, I'd really like to try that. I'm hearing a lot of other marketers doing X, Y, Z. Let's, you know, try it, but there's no harm in, I think, experimenting and sometimes you hit it out of the park. So. Yeah. That I feel like is the, the journey I think, or the, the big challenge I think of all marketing is just, it's not how to do it all. It's how to pick the right stuff to do. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. And, and so um, maybe I guess for you, I kind of like what has been um, some of the most effective like approaches or kind of campaigns or things that you have seen success in over the past years, like what's working for, for you in marketing today with like the work you're doing at Herman or in your past roles. Um, there's a variety. I tend to, because I've often worked on smaller teams with more limited resources, organic growth has been a phenomenal aid to whatever strategy that I'm working on. So I've gotten really good at uh, content, community, SEO. Those are all things where you don't necessarily need to have a huge budget to be super successful at those. You just need to be strategic and um, really plugged into the audience that you're speaking to. Uh, So those have been, I would say, great tools. I, before COVID, events and trade shows were also another key area. Uh, I think that 
a lot of marketers this year have had to sort of rethink their strategy there and how to create more successful virtual events and conferences and take advantage of that space in a way that wasn't boring. So I think a lot of us were dealing with webinar and Zoom fatigue, so you couldn't necessarily just approach it the same way that you would have approached it before 2020. But yeah, I remember working on, for example, an event app that I created for a trade show. And we created this uh, entire app where the visitors to the trade show could interact with our team and could interact with a variety of different vendors in the area. There were free discounts on the app. Uh, so it was a really fun experience to get to build that from the ground up to do something kind of different and cool as a, a marketing um, a marketing campaign. And uh, that ended up getting a lot of good attention as well. Nice. I like that. And that's, I imagine a lot of the fun projects to kind of do the creative things like that. And like you said, at times, it's sometimes it's just the rudimentary tactics of just SEO and just kind of knuckling up and doing some of the work that you know is um, is proven and to get results and that you can also do without a large team or a budget. So, um, Right. There's, I feel like there's a lot more of those fun opportunities in B2C, but in B2B, you often feel more limited. So it's nice to get to say, nice to have the support of um, leadership that enables you to take risk and try something new that isn't always necessarily commonly done in B2B. Yeah, that makes sense. I like that. And, and and so maybe what are some like, when you kind of get into the B2B, you kind of mentioned this app here is kind of like a interesting kind of project. Are there any other fun kind of creative projects like that that you've done that have gone off well? Um, We've done a couple of like, in previous companies, we've done like a couple of like fun videos or um, that was always a lot of fun working on video shoots and mm -hmm. trying to uh, leverage some of the, you know, you always see like commercials and ads from B2C companies that are just like really creative and fun. They're not like a product walkthrough or anything like yeah. that. Like Geico or Coca-Cola and all these Christmas holiday campaigns that you see going on right now, you don't often see that from the B2B side. Mm -hmm. um, so getting to do video projects like that has been really fun. I've done a couple where like we did a couple of holiday ones where we just had the whole team showing more of like our our company culture and just being silly, singing Christmas carols, and then sending those off to customers and the prospects as a way to build relationships, show sort of the lighter side of our team uh, to connect with them on more of a human level. So that was, I would say that was more one of the more fun projects that I've, I've worked on. Nice. I love that. And so um, maybe what does kind of the future then hold for like the work you're doing with Herman and kind of your your plans there or even for your career as a whole? I'm just kind of curious, like what's your kind of lar larger term vision for everything? You know, in 2020, I, I think a lot of people were focused more on relationship building, on community building. And I think I learned a lot from that. Everybody turned to social media, especially um, everybody was on social media because it was one of the few ways that you could still connect with other people uh, in a safe way, especially if you were still socially distancing or whatever. So it was interesting this year getting to test out a lot of different things using those channels, different social channels. I think that they got a lot more attention this year. They were brought to the forefront of marketing 
in a big way. So using all of those things that I learned this year about how to build not only a personal brand, but also uh, an actual company online on social, that'll be essential in the future. I think I, I don't see us with so many more social media channels even popping up now. Um, TikTok was just the first of them. We're seeing a bunch of them um, mm -hmm. coming to light, although a lot of the other ones are more niche and more focused. I think social will become a much bigger deal for a lot of brands moving forward. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's it's interesting because I've, I've been hearing a lot of just kind of, I guess, rumble on LinkedIn being kind of not that great anymore. And are people going to come out with better niche networks for business? And I'm very interested to see because you're seeing these B2C ones pop up, but I'm curious to see someone pull that off again in B2B and like take a run at what LinkedIn has going on. Because it's, I totally, I, I think it's possible, but I, I, I have not seen any yet. Have you seen anything emerging in this space? I haven't. You're right. I've seen mainly like B2C new uh, platforms popping up there, but I would also be interested in seeing if anybody could could give them a run for their money because they do have a pretty well-established brand and product and everybody's on there. So mm -hmm. I'd be very interested to see if they get some competition there. Yeah. I feel like there's, there's gotta be an angle. Uh, someone, <laughs> someone will, some brilliant Silicon Valley startup person will figure it out, but yeah. uh, there, there's gotta be an angle as I think there, there's a way to kind of make something uh, more unique there as well. So we'll have to talk about it after this. We'll, uh, we'll put our heads. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Launch the next uh, bajillion dollar startup. So, <laughs> and, and so one of the other things I think you mentioned at the beginning, is you said also that in addition to your work at Herman, you're also doing freelancing on the side. And I'm curious how you're, how you kind of balance that with, I guess, your full-time role and then doing kind of consulting or anything like that on the side. What does that typically look like for you? Exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I believe you said you're a mom. So yeah. freelance mom, that's three jobs now. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, so I, I've been trying to just maintain like a sense of, I guess, calm about it and not put too much pressure on myself. You often see other people who are doing all of this just exciting stuff. And then you're, you sort of feel like, oh man, I need to be doing more. I need to be at the level that these other people are at. So I think that remembering that I'm not competing with anyone and that I need to set the, the pace that's appropriate for me and my family is probably um, the place where I've started and where I've settled at now. I do usually try to find downtime where I feel I have that space to focus. So I enjoy writing personally. I think that it helps me learn. So if I'm watching a webinar or listening to a podcast or even scrolling on social media, I'm also filing away little pieces or tidbits that would make good content um, on the side. And then creating content is a way for me to uh, build my personal brand better and it ends up attracting people to me. Like even this opportunity to be here with you mm -hmm. is driven by all of my content creation on the side and um, focusing on personal brand building. And that's really how most of my opportunities have fallen in my lap, just building up my website, writing and talking about the things that I'm learning from other people, from networks, from just life in 2020. So yeah, I've just, I, I find that 
this year has definitely been one where I've been able to um, just find more time to to do that on the side. Usually weekends. I spend a lot of weekends working on like my side personal stuff. Yeah. I think the fun and interesting thing, because I've always done the same as well. I've got my own personal brand and a lot of times that stuff doesn't feel like work. Um, maybe if you know you're doing like other client work that may feel like it, but when you're writing or putting on your own personal brand stuff, it's a lot of just like a creative kind of flow state that can be really enjoyable to be. And I think working on those kind of personal projects at times. I love that I don't have to run anything by anybody for approval. Like I just approve everything that yeah. <laughs> if I like it and I'm interested in it, it's going up. I wrote a piece on like Rihanna and her brand building and probably would never be accepted by anywhere else, but I enjoyed <laughs> it. It was fun. I was like, cool. I get to write about something that I'm really interested in. Um, so I, I love that. And I get to test out things. What works for me ends up translating really well uh, for my company as well. So I get to experiment with like a lot of like website stuff and design and uh, content creation. And then I'm able to apply that when I come and do strategy pitches for stuff that I want to do. I can speak more authoritatively because I'm like, hey, this actually worked and I have data and stats to show that it worked. So yeah, and I'm, I'm curious, um, maybe to understand this because I, I, I've always, I guess I'm like entrepreneurs, so I don't really don't see this as much, but like I've always followed this, but I've always been a believer that marketers that have these side projects, I imagine that's got to like create like a significant like, um, like I guess leverage when you're going into job interviews or seeking out jobs to show this. I mean, I know whenever um, we come across writers or contractors or stuff and you see they've got personal projects, I think it says a lot. And I'm curious maybe how is, all this side project work, your personal brand and everything kind of um, fit into your kind of career journey as well. Yeah, it does help you stay sharp because I think that when you're working in a particular role, you don't always get to try out a variety of different things. Sometimes you have a set role, this is what you do, but there are other things that you would want to test or try out or whatever um, skills that are competitive for the market, but that you don't necessarily get to try out. Like I do a lot of coding on the side for my website and a lot of uh, troubleshooting for my site, which comes in handy when, you know, you're presenting yourself for different positions, but isn't something that I would necessarily need in my day-to-day -day job. So I think it helps you to stay sharp, helps you to build skills and learn skills that make you more marketable. Um, and yeah, it does provide like a portfolio that, people can look at and say, oh, wow, this person's really, really good. Yeah. I love that. That's um, yeah, just super cool. And again, that's what I, I feel like I've seen. And even and the cool thing I think about it as well is um, at least what I see. And I think, you know, I've, I've invested my personal brand because it's like, okay, if I do one company and then I do the next, like the brand carries with me. And it's like the similar thing where you've got like a role at a company, but it's like you leave, then it's like, okay, you have all that stuff you did that you can kind of talk about but this becomes this like living portfolio and case study you can kind of show at any given point in time. Right. You have total control over it. Yeah. It's a, it's a wonderful part of it. Just uh, gives you that platform to show off essentially. So, <laughs> <laughs> or show your skills and practice. So yeah. awesome. Um, well, this has um, been phenomenal Chantel. I appreciate you kind of walking through all of this. If anyone wants to learn more about you or the work you're doing at Herman, where can they go to find out more about um, I guess your work or your company's work online? 
yeah, speaking about our living, breathing portfolio on the side, <laughs> my website is uh, chantelmarcel.com. I also just launched a new marketing newsletter where I talk about brand building, social media, technology, basically everything that we talked about here, but a lot more, <laughs> a lot more uh, wordy. And then if you want to learn more about Herman, our website is www.thinkherman.com. And that's Herman with two R's and two N's. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you again for taking the time to come on here. This was fascinating and I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find links and show notes from today's episode at leadersofb2b.com.